All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 197, my three days of darkness, morning the Clippers loss is over. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to preview the NBA Finals matchup, Suns, Bucks, is Giannis going to play? It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 197. Uh, we haven't recorded since game six of the Clippers uh, Sun Series. As you all well know, when the Clippers lose in the playoffs, I need three days of darkness where I just <laughs> wither in my own pity, I guess, if you want to say. And I spend three days just you know, contemplating the season, contemplating what went wrong, what yeah. could have been. Um, so we had to take a few days off. And Drew, I, I, I was fine with it. I was fine. Uh, we'll talk about game six in a little bit. But the one thing that bothers me the most about this loss and not moving forward to the finals is the fact that if – I hate excuses, Drew, but the fact that if we had Kawhi, I swear to God, we're winning a championship this year. If we <laughs> – if we 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 win the Phoenix series, and then we will go and take on on a, a hurt Hawks team or a hurt Bucks team, and we're winning our first title. That's the only thing I can think about. But no, the basketball gods don't want me to win one this year, and nope. I don't know if I'm ever going to be closer, Drew. I don't know if I'm going to be closer. You you have a point there. It did seem like you know if, if Kawhi was on the court, but that's I mean, look, dude, that's been the, that's been the Suns' entire playoffs. Think about it. The entire playoffs this year, the Suns skated by without having to face Anthony Davis for too much. They didn't have to play against Jamal Murray. Now they they didn't have to play against Kawhi Leonard. And they're going to be in the finals where Giannis is very questionable to play at all. And he's already doubtful for game one. And I'm, I can only imagine that's going to continue for a few more games. But it does seem like, based on all that shit, that the Suns might be the team of destiny this year. It just seems that way. And I don't like you said. Excuses are what they are, and it's not Phoenix's fault, right? They you no. know they can only play the team that's you know out there on the court against them. But it did you know they they were definitely the luckiest team out of all of this uh, nonsense that's happened this playoffs. Yeah, luck, and we've said it again throughout the whole season. It it feels like I was explaining to my dad. It's like it's a crawl to the finish line. Like that's basically what these NBA teams are doing. They are crawling to the finish line. And I think with the Clippers, we just had so much magic in both and all three rounds. There was like this, this momentum uh, going against Phoenix and there's a real shot like, Holy shit, we might beat these guys without Kawhi, you know? Um, but obviously that didn't happen in game six. I think we got just extremely gassed at one point. Exhausted. Uh, exhausted. You, you guys looked so tired. In I agree. The second half of that game. I agree. And that's when, you know, when they went up 20, I'm like, all right, this is a wrap. But I, I was thinking to myself, what a great ride, right? Like this was a great, probably my most favorite season ever uh, being a Clipper fan. Obviously they're great seasons when you're winning. Um, and just the, the fact that Kawhi wasn't there just hurt so much, man. And a lot of bullshit in that game too, Drew, like a lot of bullshit. And I want to, you guys know, I'm a huge Patrick Beverly guy. I love Patrick Beverly. What he did at, at the end of the game was Bush league hundred percent. But I will say, that Chris 
had to have said something. Pat doesn't get like that, right? And if you know anything about Chris Paul, you guys know that he's an asshole. Like Chris Paul, between the lines, is an asshole. He's very much like Isaiah Thomas. You yeah, know, he's not he's not the State Farm Chris Paul. He's not Cliff Paul. He's not yeah. Cliff Paul at all. Okay. And he's a shark. He's a dog. He's had to fight for everything he's he's got. Same, same like Patrick Beverly. Um, something was said that got under Patrick's skin, and then the West Side Shy Town came out and pat. But it was it was bullshit, and it's something you shouldn't have done. It's unsportsmanlike, it's a bad look for the team. And I don't appreciate it. The other thing I don't appreciate is literally the theatrics of Chris Paul that whole game. Okay. And you're laughing. And I was laughing too, because I'm like, what the, what the hell? And how does Boogie get a technical on that? Chris Paul literally threw his body into his elbow and, and, and did this, this Tom Cruise act job and still gets a technical foul because it's Boogie. And I don't like that shit, Drew. Yeah, I don't I don't like it at all. What would you think of that play? That was what was worse, the Rudy Gobert falling on the sideline one or the Chris Paul and Boogie? Rudy's will never be topped in my book. I hope it never I hope it never gets topped because that is just it's it's the epitome of everything I'm against in 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 all sports. So I hope nobody pulls another Gobert or does something even worse. I don't even know what would be worse. But yeah, I mean, look, Chris Chris is an actor. He knows what's up. He knows he knows how things are refereed and he knows the buttons to push. He was pushing all the fucking buttons in game 6. Any button that was presenting itself, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to push that one. Let's see what happens." And it was perfect. I mean, you're you're 100% correct. If that's Zubat down there with the ball and the same thing happens, there's not a technical foul no. called on no, but it's DeMarcus because of his history, even though, you know, I think he's been relatively calm. I mean, granted, he hasn't played a lot in the last three or four years, but I think that was absolutely Chris knowing what to do in that moment more than it was, you know, anything that Boogie was doing. I mean, he threw, like you said, dude, and I saw it too. I don't, I, it was hard for me to, to watch that and be like, these refs are really going to, the, the refs are really going to call something on. It should, what I said was, if you're going to call anything, double it up. Just do a double tech, and that's the, the fairest way to do it. But the fact that they just they nailed DeMarcus mm -hmm. after Chris literally threw his shoulder into his elbow and then fell down was ridiculous. And then how do you go to review, watch it 30 times like we're all watching, and even the broadcast, I think it was Reggie or it was Mark and – Mark and, and Van Gundy, right? Or was it but whoever it was? They're like, oh no, that's not a that's not a foul. Like, and then you get a technical. You get to, you go and rewatch. This happened a lot during the playoffs, Drew. Uh, a lot, and I think with those no new rules that are going to be implemented next year, a lot of this shit's going to be nipped in the butt, like real quick. And what do you think about those new rules? I know we didn't, we haven't really discussed those, but like the Trey Young, the Chris, the the Chris Paul, the James Hardens, uh, that are not going to be able to dive back into players, which has been. That's a Chris Paul move. Actually, Chris Paul's the one that invented that move. Yeah. He's and been doing that for 10 years. He has. And it works. Like, it does. It creates contact and it works. But uh, what do you think about the new rules? I think it's great. I like the new rules. I think it was appropriate. Um, I mean, I, I also think, you know, if you, if you go back, who was it? It was uh, Zaza, right? That, that ended Kawhi's run for the Spurs with his step underneath. And so the NBA looked at that one play and then made this rule that you can't step underneath the shooter's feet, which I think is a great rule because a lot of injuries can happen like that. Uh, but then, then the offensive players started to take advantage of that and then jump forward and then purposefully not land on their feet, even though they probably could have every time, every I mean, time James, Harden, James Harden's the, the quintessential version of that. So I'm, I'm glad that it's going to be, uh, 
you know, refed a lot differently and should be called a lot differently because that's bullshit and kicking out the legs and stuff. You know, that, that also goes back to Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller was a classic. One of those guys who started all that shit. Reggie called Trey young, his grandson. Imagine, <laughs> imagine I mean, that's funny, but imagine <laughs> Reggie playing in the last three seasons, how many times he would have gone to the free throw line for mm. three point shots because he was the master of that. Yeah. But I don't remember I Reggie kicking his legs out. Yeah. But I don't remember Reggie like falling every single time he hit the three that's because it wasn't a foul back then. He right. would have, what I'm saying is if he was aware of that now and if the, the rules were, it. he would absolutely be doing right. that every fucking time. He wouldn't land on his feet. He would be right. the same guy as Harden out there. Um, I think it's a good change, but, but the only thing that, that has to stop is, is reviewing these plays that don't need to be reviewed. And going back to the Chris Paul boogie incident, that's a play where you just pick the fucking ball up off the ground and let's play basketball. Right. That does not need to be looked at. Like, oh, like there's some, you know, come on, man. Like, let's just play the fucking game. And I just, I think we're all in that, in that mindset now, at least from, from a fan standpoint, where it's like, it would be all right with all of us if we just said, let's, let's just keep going. Like, why do we need to slow this down, stop the game and look at this nonsensical play and determine now that we looked at it, well, somebody has to get a technical foul because we looked at it and because we wasted 15 minutes on it, there has to be some sort of foul or flagrant or technical I just, it's just, a, it's a, it's a lot of BS, man. And I, I just, my hope is with these new rules is that it doesn't create more reviewable scenarios, even though it seems like it will, like we're going to have three pointers that somebody shoots Chris Harden, whoever, where they're going to have to figure out, did the defensive player put his foot forward or did the offensive player jump forward? And I can only imagine how many times we're going to be reviewing that bullshit and slowing it down to the millimeter and like, oh, well, he started his shot here. This is where his landing spot is. But this guy was moving forward. I can only imagine more reviews from that. And I, my hope is that it, it doesn't happen that way. But I think that's probably where we're ending up, even though the NBA needed to do something about that rule. And I just don't find it fair. And again, this isn't just being Clipper bias, but like just because of somebody's past, whether you're Draymond or Boogie or Pat Bev, just because it's them that's involved in the play doesn't mean that it's a malicious thing. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, if that's Zubak, they're not even going to the board. Why are they going to the board if it's Boogie? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think it's it's not fair. And if anything, you should be penalized for the acting that you do. Like that, Chris, you should be penalized for that. And I think they they will be moving forward with these new rules. The acting and the flopping's got to stop. Flopping's been around for a while. Um, you know, floppy Divock and you know D Fish and Blake Griffin and you know you name it. So it just takes away from the game. I'm happy. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to implement those rules. I think we'll know more, uh, you know, when the season's over and they, they're able to discuss it. But anyways. But, but hold on. Do you, do you yeah. remember you remember back back in the D. Fish and Vlade days, the NBA started diamond out fines for flopping. Right. right. And then that's di that's done. I mean, like, I and know they don't do it they anymore. technically can fine people for mm -hmm. flopping. But when's the last time we heard about anyone getting a fine for flopping? And they about, just it just they stopped enforcing it. What about walking on the court again? Like every time a player falls, the teammate just runs onto the court. That's not even playing in the game. Like that's a findable. You're not supposed to be on the floor. And I know maybe this is old man, get off my lawn type shit. But like if if we're going to have rules, have rules. All right. right. And, and, and implement them the, the correct way. So I just I don't like the diming out of certain players because of their past. Yes. Is Patrick Beverly a I don't. I guess he is a dirty player, if you want to call it that. I mean, I would say that his history 
lends itself to being that's, a dirty player. That's fine. He also is a very doesn't mean he's always a dirty player. Right. Doesn't mean that every play he makes is dirty. Right. But yes, I would say on the spectrum of <laughs> dirty or not dirty, he's he's definitely on the dirty side. So it's weird to me though. Like we're gonna have to create, you know, back to the Clippers really fast, and then we'll move forward. Again, extremely happy about um, how far we made it. We did make it the farthest we've ever made it before. I'm 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 happy to see, you know, just seeing Reggie Jackson cry after the game and how how much this team and this opportunity meant to him. You that was genuine, man. I mean, I got the chills saying that. Like that was genuine. That's coming from a 10-year NBA vet um, who really in his 10th season is going to probably make the most money moving forward in the next coming years and the Clippers are going to try their best to sign him. And I think with what he was saying and his relationship with Paul George, uh, we're going to, we're going to do that. Now, Patrick Beverly, on the other hand, that last move that he pulled um, and him, you know, being kind of a heartbeat of our squad, we might move forward uh, without Patrick Beverly. I don't know. He was still really good in the playoffs for us when he, when he played defensively uh, you know, he was a pest for Devin Booker. Uh, I was a little weirded out that Rondo, you know, playoff Rondo, the reason why we got this guy wasn't playing much and didn't do much for us. But anyways, paying Reggie Jackson is going to be a number one thing in the offseason. I mean, the number one thing is signing Kawhi, obviously, who's going to opt out of his deal. There's been like rumors about Dallas trying to go all in for getting Kawhi and maybe this Miami thing and whatnot. I still don't think that's happening. Like if I'm Kawhi, uh, you know, He's in his hometown. We made it so far and almost won without him. Uh, this is going to be his best bet to run it back again. But then also, everybody was hurt. Like, Golden State's going to be better. Obviously, Dallas is going to be better. Uh, all the Phoenix is going to be better. Like, there's going to be a lot of competition. But I don't see – I see Kawhi opting out, but I see us paying him whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, I, I, I always hesitate to call – anything with this guy with Kawhi like it's impossible to know right so yeah I, I I agree with you I think on the surface it makes a lot of sense for him to stay in LA the place that he seemed like he wanted to go but I think the, the most concerning aspect of this man is like he never suited up if he if he didn't even suit up there wasn't even like any kind of like warm-up shots he didn't test anything something seems to be pretty seriously wrong with his knee and I think the fact that either and there's been no as far as I know, there's been no real reports on what the injury is. And it seems like he's doing the same thing that he did in San Antonio, where it's like he's got his own medical staff, his own medical people looking at it and telling him what to do, because he does. He has this lack of trust from the uh, organizational doctors that they have with these teams because of what happened in San Antonio. That to me is a concerning thing more than. Uh, you know, where, you know, potentially him going to Miami or Dallas or whatever. Uh, I think his injury could be the, the biggest aspect of, of what happens here. And my guess is based on where his contract is, there's a good chance that he just decided to keep whatever the fuck it is that's wrong under wraps to make sure that he still gets the max deal from the, from the Clippers. Yeah. But it has to be disclosed to the Clippers at some point before we sign the well, deal. They, yeah. He's going to have a medical and all that stuff right. before they sign him. Look, I just don't, I, again, we we all make assumptions about Kawhi. Like we know this guy. Like he's some like transparent player. He's not right. I also don't think he knows that he's lever he leveraged our whole franchise future to get him and and Paul George. You can't walk away from that. If you walk away from that, it's a really bad look. Like if you if you left to go to Dallas, 
that's a really bad look. That's a franchise killer, bro. Like you killed, you literally killed our franchise future to give you exactly what you wanted. So with that being said, I just don't see him going somewhere else. You have to run it back, man. You were so close. You know, you you have to do it one more time. And uh, again, seeing Zubak the way he played this year, uh, the, the Batum thing was great. I hope hopefully we can get him for another year. Terrence Mann turning into quite quite the player, uh, and he's only going to get better moving forward. So Clippers have a lot to do in the offseason, a lot to do in the offseason. So it sounds like you're okay with the fact that he didn't try to play. I think that there was something wrong with his knee, man. I think there was something wrong with his knee. I thought the only thing that was a little odd was was sitting up in the in the in the booth in the suites with his family. Uh, a lot of people assume he just didn't. You can get hurt on the sidelines if people, you know, jumping up and down after a good play or if a player comes into contact with you going for a loose ball. So maybe he was just trying. It's a very Kawhi thing to do to go sit up top, right? Um, but also from everything I've heard and read, he's been, ex- he was extremely vocal when they were on the road, FaceTiming the players, FaceTiming Ty Lu, being in on the, on the video sessions. I think he was bought in. I, I think it's also very Kawhi-ish to not let us know what's going on with him. Now, do you sacrifice? I get what you're saying. Why didn't you suit up? Okay. Anthony Davis suited up and, you know, he gave it his best and it just didn't work, but, and we're going to see with Giannis, Tonight and, and in the in the next coming days, Giannis's injury looked horrific. Okay, and we're gonna talk about Giannis in a minute, but I think there's something wrong with his knee, and I think he's going to get surgery on his knee. Uh, I think it was obvious he was obviously in pain, and they didn't want to risk him hurting it even more. And since we were doing so well, you know, also I thought the plan was if we make it to the finals, Kawhi might possibly play. Like, let's get him to the finals, let's buy him one more week of rest. Again, this is us making assumptions. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, we got to sign, we got to sign Kawhi or we're not going to be back in the position uh, that we were in this season. So, uh, and before we move on, what was it like for you as a, as a Clipper fan and, and a Chris Paul fan to watch him really kind of twist the dagger and at the end and, and go for, you know, whatever it was, almost 20 points in the fourth quarter. Talk a little bit about that experience for you. Cause you have it from both sides, right? I'm sure you're really happy for him, but it was also kind of like, pretty shitty and i the way that he was talking shit we talked a little bit about it mm-hmm. in the beginning but like th- was that weird Did that make you feel a certain type of way it's poetic in in a sense man of beating your former team and just the narrative of chris paul the past three years like it didn't work out in houston it was an awesome run in okc and then you you come to this team where you immediately change the franchise which is exactly what he did for us Right. I, I've been very vocal about saying like Blake, Blake Griffin made us a cool franchise. And then Chris Paul made us legit. Exactly what he did for Phoenix made them legit. It was tough, man. But Chris did after game five, give the Clipper fans a lot of props. He shouted out section 114, which is a group of of us and, and a, a group of fan base that supported Chris Paul. He, he, he loved the fans. We you know, he was with us for seven years. So it's a it's a long time. It was poetic in a sense that he went off in that game six to win, right? And you know, again, Chris Paul is a top five best point guard ever to live. That's what I think. He's proving it right now. But the shit talking and the acting and seeing like what what Clipper Nation, I'm throwing up the quotation marks, like the slander they threw at him for that. 
yeah, it sucks, man. And I hated it. I didn't like it, but I'm not going to go and, and talk shit about Chris Paul. Like, look what he just did at 36. LeBron's 36 and sitting at home right now. And, and Chris Paul is playing in his first NBA finals. Now, he, you know, everything he went through with COVID and yeah, it might be an easier route because of everybody being injured. But so what? Like you said, you play who's in front of you. It's not Chris Paul or Phoenix Suns fault. And then this is a good segue, Drew, because now that we have a Bucks Suns finals, which is awesome. It's kind of like, who do I want? I'd like, I would love to see Giannis get validated and win a title, but there's something to be said for Chris Paul and Phoenix to, to win a championship. I personally, I have no stake in it. I'm not rooting for anybody. I want a really great series, but to see Chris Paul win a championship would be amazing. I would love to see it. It validates everything because now you have to have a chip to be validated as some great NBA player, which I hate. I hate that. But I think doing it at 36 and not 26 with a real like a good basketball team, Devin Booker's not a superstar yet. I think the finals can make him this superstar level. We said at the beginning of the season, like DeAndre Ayton's going to have his best year playing with Chris Paul. And he was so thankful. He said, Chris Paul's the greatest thing that happened to me. And we kind of said that in the beginning of the season when it happened. We said, like, dude, if he takes advantage of, you know, having Chris Paul on your team, he's going to be great. And also, Drew, seeing a lot of Chris Paul's game in Devin Booker, that little mid-range that he's he's really picked up, that two-dribble pull-up from, from the elbow that Chris Paul just has made a whole career out of, um, it'll be, it would just be really great to see Chris win it. But then on the other hand, fuck Giannis, man. Bring one, get one for Milwaukee. It'd be awesome to see him do that. But we don't know. Now, you said earlier he's doubtful for tonight. They they upgraded it to questionable. Um, he's been working out at some secluded gym. They're working him out to see. They don't want any media there. They're seeing if he can give it a go. My take going into the finals is, I mean, tonight's game one. My take is you don't play Giannis tonight regardless. His knee cannot be 100%. After what I just saw, one week is not going to make that any better. Tonight's game can be a wash. If Phoenix wins, okay, they, you bought you just bought three more days of rest, right? But if Milwaukee wins, that buys you five more because then you play one more game without Giannis. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking in the Kawhi series. Like, if we can win a couple more, it just buys some more time. So tonight, I wouldn't play him. What do you think? Yeah, I don't – I mean, unless he is fully – like 100%. If he's telling you that he's 100% and the medical team goes, yeah, he's good. The knee is structurally sound. Then, okay, fine. If he's not 100%, you don't play him in game one. Right. Uh, and you and you see what this Bucks team can do and how it looks uh, without him on the court. And I will say, at the end of that Hawks-Bucks series, uh, Middleton and Drew look completely more comfortable without Giannis on the court. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing to say, but, you know, I thought they were missing Giannis, but they weren't missing him that much, right? And, you know, of course, on the other side, you have Trey who who tried to get out there for, for game six and was clearly just not not the same guy. He was 0 for 6 from 3 and only had 14 points, and he didn't even shoot the most shots on the team. Like, you could tell that he was, you know, he was clearly just trying to tough it out and see, what you know, what the fuck I can do. It's it backs against the wall kind of stuff. Uh, and so, obviously, it's, it's tough to say – you know, how good or how bad uh, Drew and, and, and Middleton and uh, Bobby Portis and Lopez and all those guys would look against the fully healthy Hawks team. But that's been the story of this entire playoff. So it is what it is. I agree with you, though. I don't think they need to rush Giannis out there. It is a seven game series. I think the, the trouble is, though, 
you don't want to go down 0-2 in the finals against any opponent, but certainly not against the Suns team, which is, you know, full steam ahead, as we've been saying this whole time. They 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 don't give a fuck. They, they've been playing every team that's had, you know, injuries that they've been having to deal with, including the Suns. And they're they're not going to be like, oh, there's no Giannis tonight. Cool, we're going to take a breather. That shit's not going to happen. No. They're they're going to go 100 miles an hour like they have been this whole playoffs. Um, and I I do expect Giannis to sit, and I expect the Phoenix to win Game One. That's that's how I think it's going to go, at least for that prediction. Yeah, I think that the matchups is what's intriguing to me because, I mean, PJ. I was talking to this with our NBA guy last night. Like, I don't know who's going to start on book. They have a few people that you could play, like Drew and PJ, right? PJ is probably the guy that wants to take on that role, right? Or does PJ guard Aiton? Like, I just, I, I'm really curious to see how the matchups go. But as far as what you, what we just stated, like, don't play tonight. If if he's 80, percent don't even play him tonight. Let's get him to 90 percent by the next, the following game. That hyperextension knee, those aren't easy, man. And it looked like he tore everything in it when he went down, right? And he doesn't go down often. So, um. I just I'm going to be curious about the defensive matchups. Well, so I've been thinking about that a lot, and I think that I think the Bucks should sit PJ. I don't think the Bucks should start PJ. I think the Bucks should start Connaughton. And think about think about what PJ is really good at. Right, he's really good at at guarding bigger players than him, uh, but he's not very good at guarding quicker players than he is. Uh, I think PJ can still do a job, right? You put him out there, shit. You, you put him on on Chris Paul in, in stints. You put him on Booker in stints. Uh, sure, if you want to go super small at one point or another, you can put him down there on the block against Aiton. But I just don't see him having much success against Booker. Uh, he can try and get physical with Book, but I just I don't think that matchup suits them. I would start Pat Connaughton over PJ Tucker. And then just roll with what you got and have Middleton guarding uh, Booker at times, have Drew guard Booker at times. I think I honestly think Middleton might do a better job against Chris Paul because of his length. So I think I would start with Drew guarding Book and then I would start with Middleton guarding CP and then have Connaughton be available to you know score a little bit. I mean, that's the one part about PJ where I I was thinking that PJ was going to be the the dagger corner three guy. And he has not done that. I mean, he hit one big three in game six against the Hawks, uh, but I don't think he made another shot other than that. And he really has been inconsistent from that corner three spot where in the last three, four seasons in, in Houston, he was he was knocking that down at the highest clip in the NBA. So that was the thing that I've noticed about PJ. And then also, you know, on the defensive end, like I said, he as he's aging, he's he's still very strong. So I think he handles guys that are bigger than him much better than he does quicker guys. And I just think the matchups dictate that, that you can put him in, in spots, put him in, in moments. And I would, I wouldn't, I'm, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he starts, right. Cause he's, he's been their guy. And, and, you know, sometimes you just want to go with the flow, but I do think he could be a little lost out there because he won't have the number one option that he has to defend. You know what I'm saying? Like he, you can, you can have him against Mikhail Bridges, but then what are you, what are you gaining by having that matchup be like that? So I do think, I think they're going to I think the Bucks are going to have much more success offensively with having Pat Connaughton in there even though he's been pretty bad from shooting threes at times. I mean, Jesus, he missed he airballed one. Airballed, you know, bro. That one was bad. Brutal. But but you can also see when he's in there, he's attacking the rim, he's, right. he's rebounding, he he can jump a, a whole foot more than than PJ can at this point. 
so I do think he brings some value there. And I, I also think it would be wise to have PJ coming off the bench in spots and like kind of picking moments for where he can come in and affect the game defensively in spurts. Um, that's I think that's how I would roll that way. I think another interesting thing is, like we've mentioned numerous times, like DeAndre is going to have to guard Lopez. If he's guarding Lopez, he's going to have to come out and guard the three, which is going to open up the floor a lot offensively for the Bucks. And, uh, and we, we had talked about DeAndre really isn't the most lateral, fastest lateral moving guy. And neither is Brooke Lopez. Jesus, is he the slowest ever? Who, yeah. I know we bring this up a lot. Like is Brooke or, or what's my boy's name? Kyle Anderson. Like who's faster? Um, <laughs> I'm the, these are just a couple of the defensive matchups that I'd be really interested to see. And it's funny, like you said earlier, like no Giannis and the floor just opened up for everybody. Middleton had a great game. Drew had a big game. And that's and it's so funny because, you know, then people are saying, well, you know, Bucks don't even need Giannis. Like, yes, you need Giannis. Yes, guys. Brooke Lopez is not going to have 31 every night. That's never that might not happen again <laughs> for a while. So. Who do you got in this series? Because I, I don't know how to call it. Every, I asked our our listeners or our our people on our on our page on our Instagram page. Lot of Suns in five. Lot of Suns in five. I think if I had to pick it, I, I like the Suns. It, maybe not five. Maybe six. Maybe six games. It really does depend on on Giannis, right? I mean, that's the the elephant. That's in it. The that's room. all. It's that, a, that's the only thing that matters. It's a very yeah. It's a very obvious thing. Like we've said with every Sun series thus far. Uh, I, I do think the Suns are the team of destiny. I said it earlier. I think this it, everything is working in their favor. Uh, and I don't think there's a better story in basketball right now than Chris Paul winning a title. Yeah. Yes, Giannis, okay, that would be great too. But if he's not going to even be on the court, like, does he even want a ring? Like, I'm, I'm right. sure he still wants a ring. But if he's not going to play a minute and the Bucks win, mm-hmm. how is that going to look for Ooh, him? It's going right? to look bad. Like, that's, that's like the ultimate bad look for him, right. I think, is that like he he doesn't play and then the team actually achieves what they've been trying to do with him on the court. That could be terrible for him. Yeah, uh, so look. I am I am going to be pulling for the Suns here. I, I love Devin Booker. Um, I think, you know, I think he's the closest thing that we have to Kobe. And I see a lot of Kobe in his game. And I love I just love his attitude. Um, I think he's he's like a, a relatively soft spoken superstar kind of on the borderline of superstar. Um, I think he's really coming into his own. And of course, you know, Chris Paul winning the championship would be just awesome. I think he deserves it. And I think something that, that is, that can be easily avoided is like when we're talking about all this injury stuff that has happened in the son's favor, Chris Paul has been so many times on the other side of that, where he's been the one injured Mm -hmm. or he's had a, you know, a teammate that was really important to the team go down. And so look, if he's going to win it this way and it's because of injury, that that seems pretty fucking fitting to me. So I'm going to call the Suns. I think six is probably how it goes, unless Giannis doesn't play a minute, in which case it could be a sweep or in five. Sweep in the finals. If Giannis doesn't play a single game, right? I, I think there's a really good chance the Suns sweep. That's a, that's a bold statement right there. Has there been a sweep in NBA finals? Yeah, there has. It probably has, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah. Lakers did one. Oh, yeah. Uh, back in well, Shaq and Kobe's day. Well, you also want this to end in five because you're taking yet another vacation to the, the big island of Hawaii. Uh, no, um, well, it's it's Maui, actually. Maui. So not, not Excuse the, us, not, not the big island, yeah. Drew living his best life right now. Um, I know this is a short one, but you got any final thoughts, Drew? Well, I, I do. I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about Atlanta um, and, and the job that they did. Congratulations to them. That was a hell of a run. They also had their own problems, their own injury issues. And of course they went up against a bang up and beat and a 
psychologically damaged Ben Simmons uh, and in order to get to this spot. But I do think this series was was potentially in their grasp. And, you know, Trey Young going down, I think that that's the defining moment, of course. Um, I, I I do like the fact that um, Nate is going to be re-signed there. McMillan, they got him a four-year deal. I think he's been clicking very well with Trey, and, and it seems like the entire roster is enjoying him as a coach. Um, I do think Atlanta doesn't need to change a whole lot. So when we're looking to, you know, next year, something that I really like, and, and I think Danilo showed his worth in this in this playoffs, is having – Collins and and Danilo Gallinari kind of rotating in and out for each other and then and occasionally playing together. I think that is a pretty dynamic, uh, you know, big lineup that most most teams do not have. Uh, and really, I think for the for the Hawks, their success is just going to be about more time, more more playing time together, and and hopefully getting lucky with health because their three and D guys are awesome mm-hmm. and they're healthy. And we saw the emergence of Cam Reddish in this series, like like gangbusters. Like he's like, oh, y'all talking about Zion, RJ, y'all forgot about me. And he came in and gave them valuable minutes, huge huge lift offensively in a couple games. Uh, and then of course DeAndre Hunter didn't play at all. I mean, he's been out since whatever the first round of the playoffs, I believe. Uh, so I do think for them, it really is about developing their three and D guys, which is Herder, Hunter, and Reddish. Drew, call him by his real name. Red Velvet. Thank you. Red Velvet, of course. Um, and he had, a, he, after having an awesome playoff series, we jinxed really, him. We jinxed we him. We did. Bro. I do. I feel bad about it. I feel bad about that one because he was like, as soon as we dropped that podcast, he was like, I'm missing everything. I'm missing all of the things. All of a few clips and Drew missing layups, <laughs> like turning the ball over. It was it just was bad. It, it, it was went bad. down so fast. So I apologize to Red Velvet, Kayvon Herter. I apologize to you. But the the promise, the, the promise of the Hawks is in their youth. And I don't I do think they should try and re-sign Collins. Uh, I know he's going to be a pretty heavy uh, you know, free agent this year. And a lot of teams are probably going to be, you know, reaching out for him and, and seeing if they can grab him. But I think especially watching his relationship with Trey continue to uh, improve over the course of the season. He brings something to that team that's important, and I think they can if, if they can run it back. And maybe you know, of course, there's always it, no NBA roster ever stays exactly the same. But if you can keep the majority of your guys there that you have and build off of that and help them progress, I think they're going to be around for a while, man. If they can do that, should they uh, sign Lou to another year? Should they just throw a little bit of money at Lou and be like, you want to come back and run it back one more time? You know, I think that's that's. That's he was option. big for them in the playoffs, dude. For the first it's, time in, in a long time, he was big for a team in the playoffs. He was. You're right. And I think it's an option. Um, I, I think it's got to be you know, pretty tight with the money. They can't be throwing him a lot of cash uh, because I think their, their hands are going to be quite full with Collins. Uh, and then you know, Trey's going to get – has the extension kicking in. So I, you know, I, I do think Lou Williams is a great option for them. He's a, he's a nice scoring option to have off the wing, off the bench. Uh, but if there is another move out there, or if they if they can't afford him, then then don't break the bank to, to bring Lou Williams back. But yeah, he's an Atlanta guy. Obviously, he's a hometown favorite. I think he adds something for sure to to their team that they didn't have. But I do think it's it's just it's just one of those years where you look at this and you go, the table is set here. If we can if we can maintain this. We, we can have a nice three, four year run here where these pieces are, you know, consistent, 
and the play gets better and they start to get to know their habits and, and how they play, you know, instinctually, which is so hard now in today's NBA because guys move around so much, you know, that that doesn't usually kick in until the back half of the season, if at all, within the first year, you need guys to be able to know each other, each other's games well enough to have that, just that knowledge, that instinctive knowledge on offensive and defense to know where people are going to be. Uh, but I think that, you know, it's set up pretty nicely for Atlanta here. If, uh, the, the only thing that I had about Danilo, though, uh, and I, I love this guy, but that dude is going to be cooking the the Milan pickup games whenever he decides to retire. I just can't. Can you can you can see him right at the at the Italian 24 hour fitness in Milan when he's 50 years old, just dropping just crazy rainmakers and, and post ups. <laughs> yeah. You know I love Gallo. Just getting a tan on the beach, pickup games in Milan. So tan. Vanilla's a- so tan when he's 52, <laughs> playing with no shirt on, and he's got some mohawk. He probably still has a mohawk, I'm assuming, eh. because Danilo's the man. <laughs> but I just I can envision him in, in Milan just, just dropping just dropping crazy buckets on everybody. Hey, with what you were saying though, for it, in order for Atlanta to have a nice three, four year run of getting to the playoffs and potentially winning a title, like John Collins is a big part of that. You have to resign him. Um, and it's, I just don't know, like, I don't know what he's worth. Right. And it's like, you look at Dennis Schroeder who wants to command a hundred to 120 million, which is laughable. It's laughable to me, but then you see guys like Marcus Morris getting 64. So, and it, which I think would be low for Collins being his, his age and just what he brings to the game is versatility and whatnot. But then I, I think a hundred millions too much for, for John. So I just don't know where the middle would be with him. What do you think would be fair? I think the craziest thing about Collins is that he's 23 years old, right? right. What the fuck? Right, bro. Look, he, it feels like he's been in the league forever. He's right. just like one of those guys where it's like it's like Thaddeus Young. We have the next Thaddeus Young here who's 50 years old and has played in the league for 32 years. Doesn't uh, Devin Booker seems like he's been playing for 10 years. You're like, oh, he's 24? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so I think because, because Collins is so young and you can see his improvement, I mean, the fact that he's able to hit a relatively consistent three-point shot now, uh, I actually kind of like him when he has some mid post touches and he can kind of face up and do some stuff with the ball. I, and, and the way the contracts are going, man, if, if Schroeder is going to get a million, a hundred million dollars, no if that's going to be on the table, then John Collins is absolutely worth a hundred million dollars. But I do think <laughs> there's, there's always contracts that Collins can look at and go, I'm better than that dude. And I deserve more money than that. And I, you know, I, the, the one that stands out is, uh, is the, the Latvian laser. Uh, for the Wizards, who got eighty Berton's million dollars, my, my guy, he got Berton. Berton's got eighty million dollars, and if you're Collins, you're going all right. That means I'm at least eighty-five to ninety or a hundred based on that contract alone. But look, the market will dictate, and the and the nice part for Collins is that this free agency is pretty light. There's not a lot of heavy hitters that are free agents necessarily. There, I mean, there's some at the top, uh, but you know, after it gets pretty thin there <laughs> after the the top two or three guys are are going to be locked up. Don't you think I Collins think, is one of those three top huh? three agents? Collins would be one of the top three, though. Correct? I, I I don't know if I would put him. I mean, like what I'm saying is like Kawhi is a free right. agent. You know right. what I'm saying? Like and Chris Paul is most likely going to be a free agent. Uh, I mean, and we assume both of those guys are going to stay with their teams. But who knows? Right? We know Sarver is a pretty he's got a tight wallet over there in, in, mm. in Phoenix. But mm. I, you can't you can't. You have to bring Chris Paul back. I just, I, you have to do that. No matter what, win or lose the finals. Yeah, I, I can't imagine him going anywhere else. And if, and if he does, that'll be a catastrophe for the Suns organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily think that Collins needs to be like the number one free agent or is the number one or two or three, but I think he's up there. 
And I think that's going to be to his benefit this season uh, with, with the money coming around and, and everything that, you know, the caps going up again and all that stuff. So I think, I think he will be one of the top free agents that are, that are in the market. Speaking of young cats, my final thoughts is this drew today on July 6th, it was announced in Dallas. July 6th is officially Luka Doncic day. It's officially Luka Doncic day. They, they, they coined it in Dallas. It's wow. official. And I want to I want to give shout out to, to Slovenia right now, making the, the Olympics for the first time ever as a country. Like, how wild is that? And it's all due because of this phenomenon called Luca. Like, this guy just stays winning at life, Drew. Yeah. And just watching what he's doing, he's Olympics is going to be easy for him, homie. Like, I think I think there it's going to be very easy for him. Um, he's just so much better than everybody on the court that he's playing with and against. Yeah, he's he's going to be the best player on the court for the majority of the games that they play. I mean, unless of unless they come up against the United States. And by the way, our roster, he's probably the best player. I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, that's that's always an argument, but if you look at our roster, you go, I'd probably take Luka over most of those guys. Jeremy Grant, Kevin Love. How does Kevin Love get an invite, bro? I just don't understand. Are we that thin? I mean, Dame's playing in it, right? Dame and Booker said he's going to fly fly in no matter what. Yeah. Like, we have some firepower, but damn, how did K-Love just finagle his way into that? You know, I, I, I'm very curious as to how that happened myself. I don't I don't know. Kevin Love must have sent him that that 30 and 20 game or whatever he had, that 40 and 10, that one that one game. Like, remember this? You guys remember this? Yeah, Y'all like, need some send, rebounding? I'm going to send Colangelo that one. Maybe he hasn't been watching the Cavs too often, so I'm going to send him that. And then I'm going to come in the gym and I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to be there so that he can't tell me no. So I'm just going to be in the, in the arena. Uh, I, yeah, there's definitely a lot of players that deserve the spot more than Kevin, but you also, if you look at our center position uh, and let, unless people were, were actively saying no, which it seems like there, there may have been, I mean, look, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. It's not like the, I mean, yes, maybe, maybe these guys are vaccinated now, but it's not like it's going to be the easiest traveling situation and and right. you know tokyo there's been protests they don't even want the fucking olympics over there right. uh so i do think there's a bit of that and then also the fact that these guys have had very little time off in the last two years so look if kevin love was like i'll sit on the bench <laughs> i'll be your third center it's, it's not going to hurt that much and we should still win i mean look the bottom line is we're the best fucking team in the entire country in the, in, in the entire world and with Kevin Love playing or not, the team that we have should should be able to, to win and, and bring home a gold uh, unless something crazy happens. Uh, and and I don't know, we just we play like shit. But I, yes, Kevin Love did not need to be on this roster. But I also think like, was there a guy that we saw that goes, I would I was the one that would have been OK with going and I got cut. Like, who was that guy? Who was the center? that raised their hand and then, and then got denied and, and love was cho chosen over. I, I don't know who that would be. I thought it was interesting that Lucas said winning a, winning uh, a gold medal for Slovenia would be better than winning an NBA championship. And I, and I believe him wholeheartedly a hundred percent that it would mean more to him than an NBA championship. I don't think to any of our players that winning a gold medal for the country would be more important than winning an NBA championship. And I, I don't know that for a fact, but yeah. What do you think? Well, look, he's their Michael Jordan, right? right? He, he's literally their Michael Jordan. So, mm -hmm. yes, I think it would matter a lot to him uh, to like he's already doing it right. He's, he's bringing their, his country into the Olympics for the first time ever. 
I, I, I would be hard pressed to find a, a third place team that, that would be without him on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he's so good that he can actually get them to maybe a bronze or a silver here. Um, but you know, Spain's always in the mix. Argentina's got a bunch of hitters. Uh, Is Gasol playing? Are they are the brothers playing for Spain? Do you know? I'm not. I'm not sure. I think I think Powell has to be retired at this point. Uh, I think <laughs> so does Mark, bro. Mark Mark's close, right? But he's he's definitely younger than Powell. So I think I do think that Mark will probably be out there. France has some hitters. We we know. I mean, I think look, Scola. I think Scola's still playing for Argentina. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> yeah, they got Scola and Manu and Andres Nocioni, um, Pablo Prigioni. All these guys, they got them all. Composo's definitely going to be out there getting Talk technical fouls. I look, I, I I'm excited for the Olympics uh, in general. I'm I'm looking forward to it uh, this summer, especially after the finals for the NBA. After that's done, it's usually god awful for about a month and a half until we get football and and all this other stuff happening. So I'm that's excited. when we do our best work on this podcast, guys. Don't think because the season's going to be over in a week and a half that we're not done. No, if you know no. Any, if you if you followed us through the pandemic, we're gonna keep this shit rolling, bro. Yeah, we we, we keep it moving. Plus, we'll have we'll have uh, another relatively short off season, so there's gonna be a lot of shit that happens with free agency. There's gonna be a lot of shit that happens with the draft, uh, and then we are actually gonna have summer league. I think this year as well, which is something that I'm looking forward to in Vegas. Uh, so it, yeah, it should be fine. It should be fun stuff in the off season. But I am excited to be able to watch basketball. Uh, you know, during this period, this window where we typically don't have any. Um, and I, I will be very disappointed if, if, if we do not bring home the gold. I actually do have a final thought. Oh, I thought you uh, so I know gave, I, I thought your final thought was the, the Hawks. No, see, I, I wanted to touch on the Hawks. Oh, because we didn't we didn't do it. And they My had a, they had a nice series. But I actually have a final thought. Farewell to Marv Albert. Oh, that's, man. that's my final thought is yet another one of these pillars, these voices of the NBA that I had growing up uh, while I was falling in love with the game is bowing out. And I, I, I just had to, I have to say, shout out to Marv Albert, man. Um, his, his career definitely had some ups and downs. I know that there was an incident way back when that people don't like to talk about. Doesn't like, he um, liked to eat pantyhose. So what? Yeah. Some people like freaky shit. Th- there it is. We're not, yeah, we're not here to kink shame. No. We're not here to kink shame on, no. on Marv. Um, but I just, I do, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense for us to give him just a moment because that dude was the voice of so many of the most amazing moments, uh, that, that I got to watch as a kid. And even now, I mean, look, the, he's retiring now and I've been literally listening to him my entire life, but it is, it's, it's, it, it's another pillar that is, that we're actually going to be done with now. I mean, for me, it, you know, Chick Hearn, Vin Scully, Ralph Lawler, these are all the, you know, the LA guys that I grew up with. And they're all gone now. I mean, they're not not all of them are dead, but they're Ralph all is, Ralph is alive and well. Just to let just to let everybody so know, so is Vin. I think Vin's still kicking around. I I do I do want to you know tip the cap to Marv, man. That guy was awesome. He was I think he was a unique broadcaster. I don't think a lot of people, uh, when when it comes to like the flow of the game and the basketball, the, the way that he would do play calling his jokes, I thought were hilarious. Um, I just, I have to shout out Marv Albert, man. And, and the NBA on NBC, dude, that was, that was it. That was it right there. I was just about to say waking up Saturday mornings and actually having bulls Knicks, like, and you hear the music. I mean, come on, man. That is our childhood. That's a great call. 
uh, that you brought Marv up. He he definitely deserves it. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame yet. He probably is already in the Hall of Fame, but if he's not, he should be. Yeah, you got to be in there. And I want to say something to your final note, really quick. If you haven't watched the NBA on TNT behind, like they did a whole documentary on it. If it's a four part series, I watched it the other night. It was phenomenal, man. You will cry. You will laugh. EJ's story is so special, man. And you forget that that even Kenny's been doing this. Or Kenny and EJ started this, right? And like, been doing this a really long time. And the addition of Charles Barkley and and Shaq, it's a great story. Drew, have you have you seen it yet or no? So I watched. I think I only watched one one or two episodes of it. I haven't I haven't watched all of it, but I'm it's something that I have on my watch list because it it's awesome. And and the episodes I did watch were so entertaining. It's funny because for me like the Ernie and and Kenny show was not really in my realm of reality. I was too young still. Yeah. It really wasn't, wasn't until Chuck. And that's really when the show took off. I mean, that's, that's when it became a hit mm-hmm. was when Charles came on. But uh, you know, as we're saying goodbye to Marv, I'm, I'm very happy that we still have those guys in, inside the, the studio, inside the NBA studio, uh, going for hopefully another 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know how long they can do well, until, it. But... Until they let Clips and Drew on the show. Geez. Well, yeah, eventually. Well, so that's, he's going to be like the next, Ernie's going to be the next one that that probably retires, right? Like we're talking about big hitters in, mm-hmm. in the commentary game, even though Ernie doesn't do play-by-play. He's older now. He's, get, he's getting up there. I mean, I, I, he can do the studio show for a long time, right? So I'm not going to say that he's going to retire anytime soon, but it's like Ernie and Mike Breen. Those are like the big hitters left in my book that I that I you know look to and and for not Chris you know, Webber assistant for play by play what not Chris Webber no Your no R.I.P. to Chris Webber's <laughs> TNT career man they they tried everything with Chris they tried everything with Chris it was not good he was terrible in the studio he was still equally bad even though he got better um, on the sidelines but yeah I mean R.I.P. to R.I.P. to Chris's TNT career all right Bucks Suns finals tonight game one check it out the follow-through with clips and drew and we are ghosts you know what it is you know what it is you know where you're at this is the